This is Finding Center, a daily half hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is physical and spiritual development. Diane Thuisen Reich, an associate professor at BYU in the School of Music at the time of this address, will share her BYU devotional address entitled On Change and Becoming Thoughts from a Reluctant Grower. At some point after my first couple of years at BYU, a brother in my ward who was retired from the religion faculty said, hey, you could speak at a devotional. I don't know why he thought I might be qualified for that, but I shrugged it off thinking, surely if I sing enough times, I will be exempt from speaking. Then just recently I had the thought that now that I have been at BYU 10 years, I might need to lay low to dodge the devotional bullet. However, six weeks ago, I received an email from Vice President Richardson asking if I would be willing to speak at this devotional. I reluctantly replied that I would accept the challenge, though not sure that happily would describe my attitude. As I then prayed for guidance on a topic, this thought came to me. I am a reluctant grower. I had never used that term before, though it seemed to suit me well. So I can only guess that the Spirit had coined that phrase just for me. Needing clarification on that phrase, I went to Google for a precise definition of reluctant. Reluctant is an adjective, meaning unwilling and hesitant, disinclined. Synonyms are loath to, unwilling to, disinclined to, indisposed to, not in favor of, against, opposed to. Antonyms are willing and eager. The word origin is mid-17th century from the Latin reluctant, struggling against. From the verb reluctare, re, expressing intensive force, and luctare, to struggle. Scrabble points are 11. (laughs) Am I unwilling and hesitant and even disinclined to grow? I will refer to myself as I am confessing that I am a reluctant grower. But feel free to insert your name where applicable. What is it that sometimes makes me hesitant to face a growing opportunity? I am not against hard work. I bore both of my children while pursuing a doctorate, working two jobs, singing operas on the main stage at Indiana University, one of the top music schools in the company in the country, and maintained a 3.9 GPA. No, I am not opposed to hard work. Is it not wanting to participate in activities? I am more than willing to fulfill my callings, go visiting teaching, take a dinner that likely my good husband expertly cooked, or participate in the ward day of service. Now I am willing to do things that are asked of me. Am I afraid of the process of growing? Many times, sitting in Relief Society, I would hear a sister say, I prayed for patience. Or, I prayed for charity. I would think, are you crazy? Do you not know what challenges come when you pray for Christ-like attributes? (laughs) They would then proceed to tell of the tragic circumstances that occurred to teach them those lessons. You wouldn't catch me praying for God-like qualities. It is hard to grow. It can be painful to grow. Thus it seems— My proud and stubborn heart is indeed hesitant to grow. Thinking of growth, of course, my thoughts turn to plants. When a potted plant gets root-bound, 
It has run out of room in its current pot. The roots cannot continue to grow, the soil is compact and depleted, and the plant is stagnant in its current state. When a plant is repotted, the roots are broken up, fresh soil is added, and the plant is placed in a larger pot. Sometimes the plant does not immediately take to its new condition. This is a plant that, was in, that is in my office that was recently repotted. It may take a while to adapt, to send out new roots, and to resume growing. However, in time, the growth, which is so subtle in the moment, can be monumental. Eight and a half years ago, we received a housewarming plant from a dear friend in this pot. The same plant is now in this pot. The growth was slow but exponential over time. We might say that Jonah of the Old Testament was a reluctant grower. When he received a call to preach repentance in Nineveh, he fled from the Lord, was tossed into the raging sea, was swallowed by a whale, and then vomited onto land three days later, at which point he still needed to go to Nineveh to preach, and so he went. When Jonah told the people of Nineveh to repent, they did with their whole hearts. Yet Jonah, who had just experienced the Lord's mercy, did not accept their penitent state and sat back to watch Nineveh be destroyed. Jonah is then chastened by the Lord for his disregard for the souls of men. Jonah was reluctant in many ways, but had he not been, he could have avoided the whole whale and vomiting episode. Laman and Lemuel are clearly reluctant growers. They are even visited and rebuked by an angel, yet seemingly five minutes after an angel appears, they resume their complaining. In 1 Nephi chapter 3, 31, it says, And after the angel had departed, Laman and Lemuel again began to murmur, saying, How is it possible that the Lord will deliver Laban into our hands? Behold, he is a mighty man, and he can command fifty. Yea, even he can slay fifty. Then why not us? They were slow to learn and quick to forget the lesson. In 1 Nephi chapter 16 alone, they murmur and are then humbled and repent three times. The last of which is after Ishmael dies, and Ishmael's daughters, Laman's and Lemuel's wives, are mourning. They even come to a point in verse 37, And Laman said unto Lemuel, and also unto the sons of Ishmael, Behold, let us slay our father, and also our brother Nephi, who has taken it upon him to be our ruler and our teacher, who are his elder brethren. That is definitely reluctance to grow. Now, a common thread with each of these examples is that while each were willing to do something, they were not willing to be something. Jonah did go to Nineveh and preach repentance. Laman and Lemuel did go back to obtain the brass plates and did go to the promised land, but none of them changed who they were. I have learned that Heavenly Father does not just want me to do something. He wants me to become something. And when I strive to become, then will my heart turn towards the things that I must do. Elder David A. Bednar taught, The essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ entails a fundamental and permanent change in our very nature made possible through the Savior's atonement. True conversion brings a change in one's beliefs, heart, and life 
to accept and conform to the will of God and includes a conscious commitment to become a disciple of Christ. Let me share a few opportunities for growth that Heavenly Father has thrust upon me. I had always wanted to serve a mission. I grew up in Orem, Utah, and immediately went to college in Arkansas. As I awaited my mission call, I was, ass- I was sure that with all of my language training and vocal skill that I would be ex- assigned to an exciting, exotic place, maybe even a place where I could make connections to later begin my fabulous operatic career. Being at the University of Arkansas, <clears throat> a mission was an anomaly amongst my peers, so many waited with anticipation to see where I might go. I was assigned to the Utah Ogden Mission, speaking English. I was almost embarrassed to tell anyone, but of course I went. Heavenly Father needed me to learn that in order to serve Him, I needed to be humble, and here was a small dose just to get me started. I spent most of my time in very small towns in Idaho and Wyoming, and I love the people from my mission. I learned so many things, so many very important things, and grew my testimony like never before. And that mission location directly affected my post-mission plans and my subsequent life course, including where I eventually went to graduate school and then met my husband. A few years ago, I was invited to serve on the BYU Women's Conference Committee. You may have noticed last month the 15,000 women on campus. That was really my only experience with Women's Conference prior to this, but I feel strongly about the divinity of women and was happy to help. It did not take long for me to see that this was not a typical university assignment. This committee was comprised of women from the campus, from the community, and from the Church general boards. I found myself resistant to being a part of this company of women. What did I have to offer? I was not like them. I did not have a wardrobe of cute coordinated jackets. (laughs) My hair was very long and somewhat unruly, not in the accepted style. As the semester went on and these remarkable women accepted me with open arms, I began to realize that what I really desired was to be like them. I wanted to delve into the scriptures as they did and draw upon the Spirit as they did. I had to painfully look into myself to see that I was reluctant to be repotted. But if I was to become a woman of God, I needed to allow myself to become more, to be uprooted, to dig a little deeper. I softened my heart and allowed myself to grow with great gratitude to those beautiful examples on that committee. And you can see my hairstyle is getting closer. (laughs) The BYU School of Music sponsors a study abroad program in Vienna, Austria each spring term. I had never had a study abroad experience as a student or a faculty member, and I had never been to Austria or even much of Europe. I really wanted this experience for myself and even more for my family. In August of 2015, I emailed the new director of the School of Music to let him know I would like to lead this program sometime. He immediately replied, How about this next spring term? 
Again, I hesitated. That was only eight months away. I had no idea how to do anything in a study abroad program, but I knew that it was a lot of work. I did not even speak German. What was I thinking? But my husband, Steve, who was also anxious for this experience, said, Reply, yes. (laughs) As I expected, it was a lot of work to prepare for the program. However, the experience was even more than I hoped for. For a musician, Vienna, the home of Mozart, Schubert, Johann Strauss, and Beethoven, among others, is a paradise. We heard wonderful concerts and operas. We saw beautiful and historical places throughout Austria, Italy, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, and England. My teenage children not only experienced Europe, but learned that they can face challenging and unknown situations and learn to adapt, including haircuts from non-English-speaking Turks. They saw the church as an international congregation in Vienna and also as a branch of 20 in a village in England. All of the participants participants gained confidence and grew parts of their own testimonies. In addition, we added 19 wonderful BYU students to our family circle. It was life-changing. I cringe to think that my hesitation may have robbed us of those experiences and our individual opportunities for growth. Even as I approached this talk, I thought, perhaps I can revamp a previous talk. That won't be too hard. (laughs) Not the case. Heavenly Father had yet another painful lesson that I needed to learn about myself, that I need to embrace growth in order to become who He has in mind. When I fear growth, I must keep in mind 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And also is stated in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. I cannot be fully taking advantage of the atonement of Jesus Christ when I fear or am unwilling because then I am doubting our Savior and the power of His Atonement. But I can repent and grow and eventually be made perfect through the love of our Savior. When a plant is struggling with growth, we often give it a dose of miracle Grow or some other plant food. miracle Grow is comprised of basic yet fundamental elemental nutrients—nitrogen, potassium, and phosphate. What might spiritual miracle grow consist of? What are the spiritual elemental nutrients? Prayer. There are many scriptural examples of the power of prayer, but I was drawn to Enos in the Book of Mormon. When Enos began to ponder, quote, the words which he had often heard his father speak concerning eternal life and his soul hungered, end quote, He kneeled before his Maker and cried in prayer for his own soul. He prayed all the day long and through the night and was changed through long and earnest prayer. If you are not sure where to start on your own journey, begin to pray. Scripture study. Nephi tells us in 2 Nephi 25, verse 26, And we talk of Christ. We rejoice in Christ. We preach of Christ. 
we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies, that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. The very purpose of the scriptures is to bring those who read and study closer to Christ. Fasting is another elemental nutrient. When Alma the Younger and the sons of Mosiah are reunited after their very long missionary service, they rejoice in the faithfulness and strength of one another. We read in Alma chapter 17, verses 2 and 3, For they were men of a sound understanding, and they had searched the scriptures diligently that they might know the word of God. But this is not all. They had given themselves to much prayer and fasting. Therefore, they had the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of revelation. And when they taught, they taught with power and authority of God. Jesus Christ fasted for 40 days and nights to prepare himself for his ministry. Fasting with prayer endows us with the spirit and power from on high. These very basic yet fundamental elements—prayer, scripture study, and fasting—will ignite our faith, nourish our souls, and give root for change and growth. When a challenge is before us, it is not required that we are able to conquer that challenge with ease. We may not even possess the skills to accomplish the task before us. All that Heavenly Father requires is prescribed in 3 Nephi chapter 9, verse 20. And ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Elder Bruce D. Porter of the Quorum of the Seventy taught, Those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit are willing to do anything and everything that God asks of them without resistance or resentment. We cease doing things our way and learn to do them God's way instead. In such a condition of submissiveness, the Atonement can take effect and true repentance can occur. Having a broken heart that is willing to do the Lord's will does not make us weak or insufficient. Instead, it helps us to be humble in our mortality and to recognize that we need heavenly help to face life's challenges. We are promised in Ether chapter 12, verse 27, And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness, that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. It is our humility and reliance upon God that gives us the ability to overcome and grow. And here is one more reason why we need never fear any task that is laid before us. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 68, verse 6, Wherefore, be of good cheer and do not fear, for I, the Lord, am with you and will stand by you, and ye shall bear record of me, even Jesus Christ, that I am the living God that I was, that I am, and that I am to come. I don't know about you, but when facing life's hurdles, I want and need to be strengthened by the Lord. I am grateful that He has promised that He will stand by me. And with that promise, I can exercise my faith and feel peace and security in letting my heart become broken in order to grow. I do have a deep desire to be a disciple of Christ. And as Elder Bednar advises, we must 
make, quote, a conscious commitment to become a disciple of Christ, end quote. So just as I have confessed to be a reluctant grower, I now pledge to you, and maybe with you, and pledge to my Heavenly Father that I do not choose to be like Laman and Lemuel. Instead, I choose to be like Nephi, to go and do, and more importantly, to become what the Lord commands. Ultimately, I am always grateful for the growth that comes from hard things. Just as my root-bound houseplants, I have the need to break up my compacted roots and be repotted into rich soil that will allow me to stretch and be nourished and become something more. I treasure the lessons I have learned through challenges, including what I have learned through preparing this talk. I know my Heavenly Father loves me and that He loves you, and He sees fit to help us become worthy to return to His presence someday. I am also grateful for the Atonement of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer, that allows me to repent and change and grow and to correct my course so that I may willingly and not reluctantly return to my Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for a half hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was physical and spiritual growth and development. We heard Diane Thewison-Reich give her thoughts entitled On Change and Becoming, Thoughts from a Reluctant Grower. Access all of our Finding Center episodes through our free BYU Radio app available wherever you get your apps. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.